Isn't that an astonishing passage that we just had read to us this morning? Jesus' baptism, the fulfillment of all righteousness, heaven opening, the Spirit of God descending, and a voice from heaven. And as we unpack all these things today, I want us to consider how Jesus came in both his humanity to identify with us and in his divinity so that we can know our identity in him. So why don't I pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, we love to hear your voice speaking to us. And I ask right now that we'd be hearing you speak so clearly, so clearly to each one of us, as clear as the voice in the passage. And I pray that we wouldn't just receive your word as information, but we would let them bring transformation to our hearts and our minds. For the glory of Jesus' name. Amen. So who actually is Jesus? Is he just a man? Or is he actually God? That's the question that must have been on people's minds at this moment that we find ourselves in, in today's passage. It's the first time in Matthew's gospel that we see Jesus as an adult. We've heard of his miraculous birth, but then we totally miss out on all his childhood, his teenage years, his 20-something years, and suddenly we get dropped in this moment. In verse 13, it says, then Jesus came. But where's he coming from? What's he doing? What's he like? Who even is he? And we see this throughout Matthew's gospel that uh, it's all focused around the person of Jesus, the son of God, the divine savior, and yet a man on earth who talked and walked and slept and ate and wept just like each one of us. And for some of us here today, that might be something that we, we struggle with. Was Jesus really both fully man and fully God? But what we find as Matthew um, writes his gospel is that we really do see these different aspects of Jesus' humanity and his divinity. And what I hope today is that we will see the explanation for his humanity in his baptism and the confirmation of his divinity at his baptism. So when we start by looking at his humanity, why did God become fully man? Just look back to the passage with me. I'm going to reread verses 13 to 15. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. This must have been so shocking. There must have been this expectation that the long-promised saviour, God on earth, bringing the kingdom of heaven, would come to be the judge. The judge coming to bring judgment. That's what the Jewish people were expecting from their saviour, from their messiah. But no, the long-promised saviour appears. And he's not come to judge. He's come to be baptised. Why? Why would that be the case? If you just um, remind yourself of what Tim was sharing last week about John's ministry of baptism. Baptism was part of repentance for sinners. Just before our passage, if you look back to verse 11 in the Bibles, um, John says this. John says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So John knew that it was Jesus coming to bring this baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. So why would Jesus therefore need a baptism of water? He's the sinless son of God who's coming to bring a spiritual baptism. Why does he need a water baptism? 
He doesn't need to repent. And what we see here is that Jesus comes to be baptized to identify himself with John. And he does that by endorsing John's message. Just look to the start of chapter 3 with me. Sorry, we're going to jump around the passage a bit. Um, Chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. It says, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Jesus is saying to everyone, Yes, listen to John. His message is true and it's important. And it's important enough that I too will come and be baptized. Repent, confess your sins, for the kingdom is coming and the king is now here. In fact, we see this in the next chapter as well, when Jesus starts his preaching ministry. If you just flip over the page with me to chapter 4, verse 17, um, it says this, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. It's exactly the same message as what John was preaching. So Jesus is identifying himself with John's message. And in that, he's revealing his identity to John. If we were to look at this moment in John's gospel, it says that John knew that the Messiah would be revealed through his ministry. It's going to come up on the screen. Um, John 1 verse 31. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed. And now that moment has come. Jesus the Messiah is revealed to God's people at his baptism. And then there's further revelation and confirmation to John when the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus like a dove, as we see in our passage. Again, we see this in John's gospel. Um, John says, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. So John realizes who Jesus is. And then we see in our passage that he so humbly says to Jesus, I can't baptize you. I need to be baptized by you. He recognizes that Jesus is God's chosen one. And so part of the reason that Jesus identifies himself with John is so that he can identify with all those people confessing their sins and coming to John to be baptized. Even though he was sinless, Jesus came to identify himself with sinners. In all of his life, we see that. We see that he he walked and he ate with the least and the lost and the hurting and the broken. He came to make a way for all people who would turn to him from their sinful ways in repentance. In his baptism, Jesus is showing us his humanity so that we could identify with him. He models what it looks like to be turning to God, to surrender to him in baptism, and to follow him in every part of our lives. But doesn't this baptism make Jesus look like a sinner? It doesn't really matter. Jesus doesn't care that it makes him look like a sinner. He's not worried about his image. Isn't it funny in contrast how we spend most of our time trying to make it look like that we've not messed up, that we've not done anything wrong. But Jesus, the only sinless person, doesn't care how he appears. He'll associate himself with anyone. And it's so easy for us to think that Jesus is distant because he is without sin and unlike us. But we see in this moment that he's not distant and he does not want to and does not need to be distant from us here today. 
You'll have probably seen um, or heard about a video this week um, from Danny Cipriani, the England rugby player. Um, and he spoke so vulnerably and honestly about his friendship with Caroline Flack, who so sadly died last weekend. He spoke of how he could tell her everything, and she knew everything about him. He felt he could share his flaws and shame and his guilt and his embarrassment with her. He could be totally real with her. And she still loved him, no matter what he told her. She still identified with him. And that was the message in his video. And one of the things he said was this. He said, I'm trying to say it's okay to be vulnerable, no matter what people will say about you. And while that's amazing, we have such an amazing truth that we have someone who we can all be totally real with, who, can share everyth- who we can share everything with, and who will still love us regardless of what we've done. And that is in Jesus. Jesus identifies with us so we can be totally real with him. In coming to be baptized, Jesus is saying, I'm joining you in your failure so you can join me in my family. He's come to identify with us sinners so that in turn we'd be able to identify with him as he hung on the cross bearing all our sins. Paul writes, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So in his baptism, Jesus comes to identify with us as fully man. But then at his baptism, in that moment, he is revealed to us as being fully God. When we look to verses 16 and 17 now in the passage, verses 16 and 17, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. This is no ordinary baptism. This is a moment of pure wonder as heaven meets earth. Can you imagine what it would have been like to have been there, to have seen this moment as heaven opened? Heaven doesn't open like that at anyone's baptism. It certainly didn't at mine. It only happens at Jesus' baptism because he was fully God. I don't know if you um, keep up with the Oscars, but um, a couple of weeks ago it was the Oscars, and I always find it fascinating watching how all the stars are welcomed to the event. The red carpet, the paparazzi, all the glitz, all the glam, all for the arrival of the nominees at the big reveal. And on a much bigger scale, this is what happens at Jesus' baptism. God rolls out all the glitz, all the glam, all ready for the big reveal. And who's there at this moment? As heaven opens, we see the whole Trinity visibly present for the first time since creation. Think back to Genesis chapter 1. God creates the heavens and the earth. Jesus, the word, was with him. The spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then here at his baptism, God the Son is being baptized by God the Spirit as God the Father speaks over him. The perfect unity of the Trinity on display for all to see. And um, the former Bishop of Liverpool, J.C. Ryle, comments on this. And he says um, this quote that's going to come up on the screen. It was the whole Trinity which at the beginning of creation said, let us make man. And again, it was the whole Trinity which at the beginning of the gospel said, let us save man. 
So Jesus' baptism is his commissioning for all his ministry. This is God preparing Jesus for his messianic work, equipping him with the Holy Spirit and speaking truth over him. The voice of heaven saying three things to commission him and show us his divinity. And the first one is this, that God announces Jesus' identity. God says, this is my son. In case there was any shadow of a doubt what was happening, God announces that Jesus is his own. And it's not just any old announcement. Heaven opens, a voice speaks, and it's not just matter of fact, it's not just, this is Jesus. No, it's, this is my son. It's so personal. And then God affirms his love for Jesus. This is my son whom I love. God proudly announces that he loves Jesus, that he delights in him. He affirms the status of Jesus as being fully loved before he's even started his ministry. And then God approves Jesus' ministry. He says, with him I am well pleased. God is pleased with Jesus. He approves in what his son has come to do. He approves of his ministry to call the lost back to him, to heal the sick, to preach forgiveness for sins, to bear the weight of the world's sins on himself at the cross, to die and then to be raised to life. God sees Jesus' mission and says it is good before it has even begun. So God speaks these truths over Jesus and we see how obsessed Jesus is with the voice of God. Even in the next few verses that we'll look at next week, we see Jesus quoting scripture time and time again. Throughout his life and throughout his ministry, Jesus rests on the truth of what God says about him, about who he is, about how he is loved, about what he has been called to do. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Jesus' identity is unique and glorious and perfect. But what about us? We're part of the sinful, fallen humanity. What does God say about us? Well, the beautiful news of the gospel is that when we repent of our sins and put our trust in Jesus, God says the same thing to us. When we're in Christ, God says, you are my child whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. When God says, this is my son in the passage, that word for son um, throughout the New Testament is translated as both son and daughter, and it's referred to in both like, by birth, but also by adoption. When we're trusting in Jesus, God adopts us into his family. We are called sons and daughters of the Most High. God delights in us. He is proud to call us his. God says that he loves you. But then, in this day and age, it's so easy to be distracted from that voice. It's so easy to hear other voices of the world. Voices of lies and fear. Voices that say we're not good enough. Voices that say we're not worthy of love or acceptance. Voices of disappointment. Those voices are everywhere. In this time where we're more connected than we've ever been before, these are the voices that are thriving in our culture. We only need to look at the news headlines of the past few weeks to see how many people fall to these voices. Caroline Flack is such an example of that. In, in the video that I mentioned earlier from Danny Kipriani, um, he says this. 
He says, I know who I am, but I've been told by others who I am from an early age. He'd known other people trying to tell him his identity. I wonder, have you ever thought of what voices you're actually listening to? Are you listening to the voices of the world? Or are you listening to the voice of God? Are you listening to the voices of lies or the voice of eternal truth? Are you listening to the voice of fear? Are you listening to the one voice that casts out all fear? Let's not forget that Jesus would have had many other voices in his life speaking lies and fear and rejection over him. Remember, he was born to parents out of wedlock, which would have been more than frowned upon back then. And so he would have always heard murmurings of disapproval um, from an early age. And then what about the voices of the Pharisees and the Sadducees when he'd spent time with the sick and the outcasts and the tax collectors and the sinners? And then even in the next few verses after today's passage, the voice of the devil tempting Jesus in the wilderness with doubt and lies. The one thing that sustained Jesus through all of that is he knew the voice of God. He knew what God had said about him. He knew his status before God, and he stood firm on that. He stands firm on the voice that he knows to be true. Jesus is amazing. For us, we can stand firm on the voice of God speaking to us in the Bible. It's the only place where we can be 100% certain of the voice of God. Yes, God speaks in lots of different ways to us, but the only place we can be totally certain is in Scripture. Jesus, the Word of God, loves to speak to us today through every word of the Bible. Jesus is amazing. There's another time in the Gospels where we hear a voice from heaven like today, and that's at the Transfiguration in Matthew 17. And the voice there says something so similar. The voice says, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. God tells us to listen to Jesus because he is the authoritative word of God. So when Jesus speaks, he speaks with that authority. Look at how he speaks to John in our passage and the way that John responds. Look at verse 15. Jesus says, John, you come and baptize me. And what does John do? John consented. No arguments, no discussion. He's just obedient to the voice of his savior because Jesus is amazing. And that's the authority that God speaks when he says to us, you are my child, I love you. With you I am well pleased. The voice from heaven says that with total authority. And so we need to listen. God really means it. You are loved, you are loved, you are loved. Why wouldn't we read the Bible when this is the authoritative and loving voice that we hear? Even when we walk through trials and temptations, even when life is hard and frustrating, God is still saying to us, you are loved. And that's our identity that we share in with Jesus. Because Jesus is amazing. Jesus chose to share in our humanity so we could share in his Father's love. Jesus chose to share in our humanity so that we could receive his righteousness. Jesus chose to share in our humanity so that we could know that he is the Lord of all. Jesus is amazing. On Friday, um, as I was working on this sermon, I picked up my first ever parking fine. 
Um, and I'm actually pretty gutted about it. Um, I'd been priding myself on my spotless record of no parking, driving, or speeding fines. And to get right with the authorities, I've duly paid my fine, and they very kindly halved it, which was lovely. Um, but when we lose our spotless record before God, we don't need to pay any fines. Because when Jesus chose to share in our humanity, he paid all of our debt in his act of divine love on the cross. As he hung there, hearing all the voices of lies and shame and rejection and fear and guilt. In that moment, he must have known the voice of his father. This is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. I had thought I might be loved because I had a spotless driving record, but that's gone. But the wonderful news is that Jesus says that I am loved because he has a spotless record. And even more incredibly, God says I am loved because in Jesus, I now have a spotless record too. It's all because Jesus chose to share in our humanity, because Jesus is amazing. When we hear voices speaking fear over us, we can trust the voice of Jesus speaking love over us. When we hear voices speaking lies over us, we can trust the voice of Jesus speaking truth over us. And when we hear voices speaking disappointment over us, we can trust the voice of Jesus speaking pleasure over us. Because Jesus is amazing. God's saying to each one of us this morning, you are my child whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Amen. Amen. Shall we pray as I close? Jesus, we thank you for your beautiful mercy for us. Jesus, we thank you for coming to share in our broken humanity in your total divinity. We thank you that you did that so that we could know the loving kindness of God the Father. Jesus, we thank you that we can be totally real with you because we know you experienced all the brokenness of our humanity. We thank you that you, you experience what we experience. And thank you that you hear us when we cry out to you. Thank you that you, that you hear us. But God, we thank you that we can hear you too. And God, we thank you that you speak such truth and love and life over each one of us.